We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by Andrew Mertig, as always. And we are back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Um, Andrew, it's good to be back. How are you doing? Uh, well, this is the way I sound now, Kyle. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little rough. I have been sick since last weekend. Um, I have been self-quarantined, and so um, I'm, I'm appreciative that I'm well enough to record uh, tonight, and I'm, I'm really thankful that there was some free agency news this week to help me pass the time a little bit, but uh, hoping, hoping to feel a little bit better in the coming days. Yeah, sorry you're under the weather there, man. That's uh, that's not fun. Plenty of uh, extra time to get into the NFL draft and work on those those prospects as we get into this even more. It sounds like you've gotten some good work done on some draft prospects. Absolutely. That's good. All right, so we want to kick things off today 
uh, by recapping quickly uh, what the Packers have done in free agency thus far. We don't want to spend a ton of time here because the Packaday team has done a great job covering this all week long. But uh, we know Andrew, our, our own Andrew here, and Dan Kotnick gave you guys that emergency pod to discuss the moves Green Bay made on Monday and did an awesome job with that. But going all the way back to Monday, the Packers did agree to terms with former Browns linebacker Christian Kirksey and former Lions and Ravens offensive tackle Rick Wagner. Uh, the Kirksey signing clearly marking the end of Blake Martinez's time in Green Bay, and the Wagner acquisition did the same for Brian Balaga. Uh, but Andrew, how are you feeling about what the Packers have done already in this free agency period? Well, I, I really like it. I know some people are going to say the Packers got a little bit worse this week, but considering the cap cap implications, they were likely to lose either Blake Martinez or Brian Balaga and leave a big gap on the roster. So instead of just losing one and picking and choosing, they actually filled both positions with the same amount of money. It's scary to think that both these players have some injury concerns, but I've read a lot of people that I really respect who don't think Rick Wagner is much of a step down from Balaga. And certainly if Kirksey was healthy, he'd be looking at a similar contract to the one Blake Martinez got. So it is two contracts they can definitely get out of after a year if they don't work out. But if they do, they're really great value. So I, li I like what they did. Yeah, this was clearly not the opening to free agency that we had so much fun with last offseason with uh, the Smith brothers, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner being added. But uh, these are some really solid moves that we've made, I think. Uh, I've said all offseason that I really wanted Brian Balaga back. And I really do think that they may regret letting him leave. Uh, but that's a separate issue entirely from the R Rick Wagner signing because his contract is not regrettable at all. His deal is so affordable, it's almost laughable. And as Andrew said, it's basically a one-year deal with team option in year two. But uh, let's get into some more recent news. Uh, late Wednesday night, we learned that the Packers had agreed to a one-year $2.25 million deal to bring back tight end Mercedes Lewis. And this is a move that many kind of had speculated would happen, um, but it's a move that probably increased a little bit when Green Bay did not sign Austin Hooper or anybody else at the top of the tight end market. Um, but it's safe to say it was far from a sure thing that they were going to do this. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Lewis coming back to the pack uh, on this one-year deal? Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, he, <laughs> he obviously is a really good run blocker and someone who can be relied on in check down situations. I don't think it's something that I'm going to get excited about. I'd much rather take a chance on a younger guy, but we know Matt LaFleur is going to value guys who can block. He's going to value them a lot, and certainly Lewis proved valuable in that role last season. So um, as a role player under this contract, for me, it's okay. Yeah, I actually really love this move. The price tag is right, and he absolutely still gives you the impact you want in the running game as a blocker. And Rodgers really came to like him as a receiver last year as well. And so it's not like this is a long-term addition for this team. This is a Band-Aid kind of a move, and it's about leadership and a veteran presence and about having a really good blocking tight end in place, as you said. And Lewis played 542 snaps. For the Packers last season and was the seventh highest graded run blocking tight end in the game last season among those who played enough snaps to qualify for pro football focus. Jimmy Graham only played over a hundred, just around a hundred snaps more than Mercedes Lewis last season. So the Packers clearly value what Lewis brought to the offense in 2019. And so I'm excited that he's back. Um, Andrew, are you, 
are you okay if we just kind of go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here that's probably going to take us completely off off track here? Yeah, sure. My brain doesn't work linear, linearly in a linear fashion anymore. <laughs> I can't even talk. This I is going to be a great podcast. I thought you were going to say your brain doesn't work literally, and I was like, well, that's it's, concerning. It, it may not either. I don't know. Andrew's brain literally doesn't work is what he's telling us. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Graham going to the Bears? So you want to talk about James Graham. Okay. Uh, James so Graham. Jimmy Graham isn't as bad as people made him out to be. He's solid. I, I don't understand why the Bears have chosen to spend more money at the tight end position than any other team in the NFL. Uh, but I think he'll work in their scheme as a reliable target over the middle who really isn't uh, able to make things happen after he makes the catch at this point in his career. Um, But when you look at where Nick Foles has been successful, um, I think this move makes a lot more sense once you add in the trade for Nick Foles than if you were looking at Mitch Trubisky. Um, Although with Trubisky, it does make sense to get a 6-7 target because you're going (laughs) to need all of that 6-7 with the inaccuracy of one Mitchell Absolutely. They, that catch radius can go a long way with uh, someone like Mitch Trubisky. But uh, my best friend is a big Chicago Bears fan. And so we were texting a little bit about Nick Foles and um, Jimmy Graham came up and he told me that Chicago and maybe and this is just like the sports, you know, media is saying this. They're selling the Jimmy Graham signing as this. They're intending that Trey Burton remains tight end one and kind of regain some of that chemistry that he had with Foles in Philly in 2017. And then they are saying that Jimmy Graham is the aging player who can come in and kind of be tight end two and be an impact run blocker and be a threat in the receiving game from time to time, kind of that supplemental guy. And so I texted my friend back in the most respectful way possible and said, Buddy, I've got some really bad news for you about Jimmy Graham and the words impact blocker. And so I have no idea what Chicago is thinking, uh, but man, at least the sports media in Chicago is talking about how he's a high floor player, at least as a blocker, which is absolutely hilarious to me because it's just not the kind of player he is. But um, I'm with you. Jimmy Graham is a solid player. He's just not a player you want to pay as much as the Packers did or the Bears, you know, the, the, the amount that they're paying him now. But um, yeah, super, super interesting to see how how he's going to end up uh, fitting into that offense and with a new quarterback at the helm in Chicago as well. But um, that's my rabbit trail. Had to get off on Jimmy Graham for just a second there. But um, let's get back on track, talk about the Packers offseason. And let's go ahead and look at some names that, as of late Thursday night, are still available uh, that could interest the Packers. I've got a couple names, Andrew, but I'm curious who you're kind of keeping your eye on at this point. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm going to start out with the big names, and these probably aren't the most realistic, but you know, you have wide receiver Robbie Anderson, you have edged Javion Clowney, uh, there's defense alignment Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, and Dominican Sue. Um, I know the popular take is that Robbie Anderson has priced himself out of the Packers range, but with the trade of DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs, and then you have this obscenely deep draft class at wide receiver, the market for Robbie Anderson doesn't seem as strong as it once did. And I would say that while this is extremely unlikely, maybe he would consider a one-year permit deal if he can't get the big contract he's looking for, or the Packers could potentially backload a deal for Robbie Anderson. Um, Clowney is, like, there's almost a 0% chance of this happening, but he he wants a ton of money, but he's in a position um, that isn't of need. 
again, he could look to find a contender for a one-year permit deal, and Green Bay would make things much easier for him with the weapons that would be able to be put around him. Um, they don't really have the cap space this season to make a big one-year deal work. So, I mean, <clears throat> it's a name yeah. to watch, but I don't think there's going to be anybody connecting him with Green Bay. Although things... Uh, wilder things have happened. Uh, if if you heard this supposed Yannick Ngakwe yeah, trade rumor to Green Bay, yeah. which like doesn't make any sense based on their cap situation, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of good defense linemen still available. And I said on the emergency podcast on Monday, I think defense line becomes the number one area of need at this point. Uh, so I talked about Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf. They're both from the Broncos. They both provide more pass rush punch than the Packers currently have at from their linemen. So they'd be nice complimentary pieces to Kenny Clark. Sue is another player who is unlikely. Like, quite frankly, he should just go back to Tampa at this point <laughs> uh, with Brady and the talent that they're going to have. Go, yeah. His market may dry up a little bit. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some interesting defense linemen out there at a minimum. Yeah, I'm really curious about what Robbie Anderson is going to do in this market because there obviously isn't the market that he thought that there was going to be when things got kicked off with free agency. And I do think that there could be a bargain bin kind of defensive tackle that Green Bay may want to snatch up as the money starts to dry up around the league. Snacks Harrison is another guy uh, that could be had at a pretty good price that I think could certainly come in and play an impact role for this team for sure. What what about Taylor Gabriel? You know, I really like that idea, and I don't know what his market is going to be and how expensive he's going to be, um, but I think he's a player that obviously has familiarity with uh, Matt LaFleur and could come in and really kind of put Green Bay in a position to wait on receiver if there's a better option in the first round. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to it, not knowing exactly what that's going to cost. Yeah, I just... I. I... I know I noticed that both of us left him off the list, but he would be the most likely um, of somebody that could come in and play that slot receiver and certainly understands the way Matt LaFleur is going to run the team from uh, the time when LaFleur was the quarterback's coach in Atlanta. Yeah, definitely an intriguing option. And I don't know, again, like he may be a guy who doesn't sign for, you know, several days or into next week or those kinds of things. But I do like the flexibility that he would give this team to not really have to do something in receiver if they didn't want to. Um, but I'm curious, you know, we've, we've added Mercedes Lewis back into the fold. But if the price is right, do you think that Green Bay could still be in the market to add another tight end? Well, if if I was going to add another tight end to this Green Bay roster, for me, it's pretty it's pretty easy. It's, it'd be Eric Ebron. Uh, I, I actually became a much bigger fan of him this week because he was actually going out and trashing Lions fans on Twitter. Uh, he had <laughs> replied to a comment uh, about somebody connecting him to Green Bay and saying like so, something about Rogers, like go out and get me. Um, and then uh, a Lions fan had responded about you know I know I'm a Lions fan, but. Uh, you know, the, Eric Ebron doesn't catch anything, and Ebron responded to him. He's like, you, you should have just stopped after I'm a Lions fan. <laughs> uh, and it, so, yeah, like, he doesn't have great hands. These, these are factual things. He does get hurt a lot. But when he is healthy, he is super dynamic. He, he actually gets open, which is a novel idea for a tight end, and is a huge run after the catch threat. So I, I would love for the Packers to pick him up because he'd add a dimension to their offense that they really have not had since Jermichael Finley.
yeah, totally different kind of tight end than the guys who are currently on the roster. Um, so you could totally see them kind of making that move if the price was right. Um, a lot of these players, Eric Ebron included, they don't seem like moves that the Packers would make necessarily. Um, but the further we get into free agency and the cheaper they become, they could certainly become bargains. And Ebron would certainly add that weapon uh, to this offense, like you said. Delaney Walker is another name that has been connected to Green Bay. Uh, another aging vet. I believe he's 36, so he's probably a one-year contract that wouldn't be too expensive. Uh, but with the Packers having added Mercedes Lewis back in the fold, I would say that the odds of them adding Walker probably go down. doesn't eliminate the possibility. Uh, but Lewis coming back to play probably does you know, shrink the odds of that. Adding two guys that are um, at the very end of their career would seem unlikely. And Sternberger needs the snaps at tight end uh, so that he can grow into that tight end of the future. So unless Walker's primarily goal is to just be on a contending team at a really cheap price, I think that we can expect that he'd probably sign somewhere, maybe like Indy, who's been connected to him. Um, there are still some guys who could be dealt via trade, Andrew. Um, we've heard the name Brandon Cooks come up uh, again just today. So what do you think about Green Bay going after a guy like Cooks? And do you think that that would be something that would be worth investing in as far as the draft capital it would cost to get him? Yeah, I would assume since the Rams are looking to shed some salary, Cooks would not cost much more than a mid-round pick, but there is no way Green Bay can fit Brandon Cooks under the salary cap without some additional moves. So, you know, potentially you could move on. Uh, you, you could trade Lane Taylor to the Rams um, and maybe include a late pick if you had to for Cooks, but I don't know why the Rams would take on any more salary if they're looking to dump contracts. I, I guess they do sort of need O-line help, but... Uh, it's a really fun move because Cooks provides everything you need to complement Devontae Adams, but I think the price tag is just too much. Um, but from a compensation standpoint, probably not much as the Rams just tried to get something back for Todd Gurley and then obviously ended up having to just bite the bullet and cut him. Yeah, I mean, if you can get Brandon Cooks for a fourth round pick, I mean, that would be an incredible talent and would solve the huge opening on this roster. But as you said, just trying to figure out how to get that salary under our cap situation would definitely be probably a stretch at this point. But we've seen more creative things done, and Russ Ball is kind of a, a, a wizard there, so you never know. We'll have to see what develops with Brandon Cooks and his market. But um, So we surveyed the Packers' moves up to this point and explored some other things that might still be in the works. But as of today, Andrew, how do you feel that all these moves impact the Packers' plan as it is that we move towards the draft in the way that they will need to fill the rest of this roster out? This is going to be a weird answer, but honestly, I don't think it impacts it at all. Uh, you, you still have to draft the best player available. If if a top four offensive tackle falls to you at pick 30, you take them. If you have Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen um, as players that Goot absolutely loves, you still draft them. Uh, I'm less optimistic that the right wide receiver is going to be there at 30 because the more you look at it, the more wide receiver needy teams in front of the Packers keep uh, continuing to pop up. But if someone like Justin Jefferson falls, you take them. I think their free agency has made right tackle and linebacker less pressing concerns, but you still have to boost those areas in the draft if it falls that way. Yeah, I completely agree. And while sometimes it's nice to throw money at a free agent so that you can cross that position off your list, the Packers probably knew that they didn't have the money to really do that. So adding Lewis back in, adding Wagner at right tackle, and adding Kirksey, they kind of 
they kind of put themselves in a place of ultimate flexibility. They probably still need to add at all of the spots, like you said, but there's no longer such this huge hole that they have to press the issue. The only position on the roster that screams vacancy at this point is wide receiver. And so I'm curious if they're going to leave it that way or if they'll add a guy like we kind of talked about. Taylor Gabriel, um, or make a trade so that they're not feeling the need to even force that pick at wide receiver. Uh, but I really like what the Packers have done uh, to position themselves to be open to the best player available and get the best value they can in this upcoming draft. So uh, we wanted to switch gears a little bit. This is a lot of free agency talk, and obviously the podcast has been pretty focused on that all week. Um, And so we wanted to talk about the draft a little bit. Obviously, that's your and my favorite area of the offseason. And uh, one of the things that I've been doing is, um, you know, looking at, obviously, the the prospects in the upcoming draft. And... um, I've been uh, ranking them, and and not only do I give them a film grade and then do a traditional ranking, um, but this week I've posted a couple of different positions, actually a few now, and um, given my my thoughts on what would actually be the priority of Brian Gutekun. So what I'm doing is I'm taking my film grade and I'm applying some filters to it. So we're taking a look at uh, really emphasizing younger players, which Brian Gutekunst has shown. Um, typically, he is going to favor the younger players and then also high relative athletic scores. And um, so I the, the first position that I wanted to talk about tonight was my running back rating. So I threw 10 running backs out there. Um, and I actually had Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, number one, and that's going to be a little bit controversial because I know how People like to to bash uh, <laughs> folks who connect Badgers to Green Bay, um, but given his age and his uh, elite athletic traits, at least the measurable portions of those, um, it it does make sense that the Packers may actually favor him. I have J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, Cam Akers from Florida State, DeAndre Swift from Georgia. That's gonna be kind of controversial because a lot of people have him as their number one, and I put him as number four. Antonio Gibson from Memphis, Clyde Edwards Elaire from LSU, AJ Dillon from Boston College, perf, uh, a personal draft crush of mine, uh, Darrington Evans from Appalachian State, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State, and Michael P. Ryan from Florida. So if I can, I just want to ask you really quick about you know a couple of these guys because um, Matt Lafleur has openly said that they would like to add a third guy at running back, which is kind of bad news for Dexter Williams after he was just drafted last year. I don't know what I see um, as far as Green Bay being willing to go running back early in this draft. I personally hope that they don't. I think they've got needs at a lot of other places, but I've seen a lot of buzz around Darrington Evans. So what do you see in Evans and where would you feel like he would be a value in the draft? I know you've got him listed here at number eight in your rankings, but where's a good spot to draft him? Yeah, I think he has a really good field vision. He has the ability to make defenders miss. Uh, it's sort of a slight frame, so he's not going to push defenders forward or hold up really well in pass protection, but he does have natural hands. Uh, he wasn't asked to run a lot of routes at Appalachian State, but he has the fluidity to learn. And in the meantime, he can just simply be a really nice checkdown guy. Um, for me, I have him as the 56th best offensive prospect uh, based on what the, the Packers' preferences are in drafting. Um, but I'd like to think that he could be drafted in the fourth or fifth round, or maybe even later, uh, knowing the positional value of running backs and, and how he could slide. So he might be that that nice late-round pick. I know they use a sixth on Dexter. 
Um, and so, you know, right in that fifth and sixth round, I think would be the sweet spot to get good value. Um, he also is only 21 years old and he has a 9.1 RAS score. So Goody's going to like that. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely screams Brian Gutekunst in a match there. Uh, but a man like uh, Antonio Gibson is super interesting to me. He's listed as your running back five, but he's kind of a wide receiver, isn't he? He's, he's listed in your running back ratings here. How do you see him uh, fitting, and do you see him as a running back? Yeah, I I, uh, I have a big draft crush on Antonio Gibson. I think I tweeted as much last week. Um, the, the fact is, when I calculated in um, his age, he's 22, um, but he also has a 9.29 RAS score. That actually vaulted him ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire in my <laughs> uh, prospect ranking, which is not going to be very popular. Um, but yeah, he, he did. He, you're exactly right. He played more wide receiver in college than he did running back, but he's definitely a running back at the next level. He just built like a running back. Um, and quite frankly, his skill set at wide receiver doesn't translate well to the program. But I love this dude. He's a super intriguing package of both a big physical runner. You'd think he played wide receiver, so he'd be a slight frame, but he's not. He's he's a well-built guy. Um, but he also, of course, has that receiving threat. Um, and the bonus is, because he played so much at wide receiver, he has almost no tread on his tires from an impact standpoint. So he's not taking that punishment between the tackles like a lot of running backs do. Um, you know, like Jonathan Taylor, for instance. Um, I have him as my 37th rated offensive prospect based on the Packers' preferences, but clearly I'm way higher on him than probably anybody else's. I'd take him in the late third, honestly. Wow, I think wow. he's that good and that impactful, but he's probably going to get drafted in the fourth. I think, you know, if... If he slid into the fifth, it wouldn't be a super big surprise to me. So um, I think anywhere in that fourth, fifth round, you're, you're starting to get a really good value. Yeah, that's really cool. And we talk about LaVisca Chanel a lot on this podcast because we know that we differ on him just a little bit. Um, but I've also talked about how he's that offensive weapon kind of player, regardless of if you're using him out of the backfield or getting him in on, um, you know, uh, quick completions and letting him do run after the catch stuff. But so I'd be interested in a player like Gibson. If you miss out on a player like Chanel early in the draft, somebody who could give you some of that um, quick game, you know, run after the catch, maybe some slot stuff as a running back receiver kind of combo offensive weapon. So I've seen him a little bit and was really, really intrigued. And so when he popped up as number five, on your list uh, that made me even more excited to kind of dig into him a little bit more. Um, we've been talking about running backs. We've kind of like talked about a guy who's kind of a running back and a receiver. Do you have time to go through some of your actual like receiver rankings here? Oh yeah, definitely. And one thing that I just wanted to add onto the point that you just made, um, I think sometimes people get really infatuated with a particular prospect. Chenault's a great example. Like maybe you can get a player with a very similar skill set later on. Um, like Antonio Gibson, I know, um, you know, in, I, I've been listening to a lot of the draft dudes as well. And, and one of the, the points that Kyle Krabs was making on their show, um, was yes, Isaiah Simmons is a unicorn and, um, it's super fantastic to get a guy like him. But if you, if, if you have a position of need, um, like tackle or quarterback or other things that you're not going to get later in the draft, it may not be bad to just take a guy like a Jeremy Chin, um, who, mm -hmm. who has a very similar skill set, but maybe isn't as highly thought of, but you can get a better value later on. Not the same player, um, but you're investing a lot less draft capital in, in, in acquiring that player. And so um, it allows you to address some other needs. And I think, I think Gibson would provide 
you know, a really unique dynamic skill set for, for this Matt LaFleur offense. Um, so yeah, anyways, back, back to what you actually <laughs> asked me. Um, so my top 15 wide receivers, and again, this is adjusted. So um, my film grades look a little bit different than this, but this is what I think the Packers would prefer. Uh, I have CD lamb. Number one, that's no surprise. Henry Ruggs, the third two, Justin Jefferson from LSU is my third ranked receiver, but that's just because he's such an elite athlete, just crazy. Um, and he combines really good route running and hands. Uh, Jerry Judy from Alabama is number four. Uh, if you would have told me that a few weeks ago, I would have called myself crazy. Um, <laughs> I have I have LaVisca Chenault as five, Brandon Ayuk six, Jalen Rager from TCU seven. Uh, actually, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan at eight, KJ Hamler from Penn State nine, Tyler Johnson at 10. Uh, Van Jefferson, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Denzel Mims, Devin Duvernay. You just want to listen to me list off names. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. But um, so that's my ranking. You, you can check those out on Twitter too. I think we see this wide receiver class pretty similarly, outside of this few exceptions. Uh, I like Mims and Pittman more than you, uh, and you like Chenault more than I do. But I'm interested in your thoughts on Tyler Johnson, Andrew, because when I watched the film, and I haven't watched a ton of Tyler Johnson, just a little bit, but I had a hard time getting a feel for how I feel like he'd project to the NFL and exactly what kind of a player uh, he's going to be and if he can make that transition uh, seamlessly as some of these other guys. But what is it about Johnson that has him above Higgins and guys like Denzel Mims for you? Yeah, and that's a fascinating thing I think about draft prospects in general is that different people can take a, a look at the same prospect and kind of come away with different things. We all have our own biases. We all have our own preferences in what a prospect brings. But for me, Tyler Johnson is just a really smooth route runner. He largely catches everything. I think his transition in the NFL is going to be really easy. Um, for me, Higgins struggles mightily to get separated. So, yeah, he has a great catch radius. He's, he's a really good contested catcher. But if you can't get open in college, well, what's that going to look like in the pros with with corners that have better ball skills? And for me, Mims combine athleticism just frankly doesn't show up on tape at all for me. And he combines that with not being a very good route runner, which are two things that scare me to death. Um, Higgins had a really poor RAS score which I think destroyed his rating in the formula that I was using. That's why I saw him slide so much. Um, and maybe the Packers don't like that. I, I mean, historically, they haven't drafted guys with RAS scores anywhere near uh, what T. Higgins has. Uh, Denzel Mims had a significantly worse film grade, so his ridiculous RAS score couldn't quite make up for Tyler Johnson being a little bit more balanced in both areas. Um, he, he's a much better player on Saturdays for me and he's only 21 years old. And I liked all of those things about Tyler Johnson. Yeah, this is definitely a really, really good class of receivers and it's going to be fun to see who Green Bay comes away with when we do get to April. So many choices, uh, so much depth. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, if they grab one, if they grab a couple and, and, you know, just to see how they incorporate to this offense with Matt LaFleur. But um, we did get some news that broke uh, just before we started the podcast tonight about Clay Matthews and his availability. He's been released by the LA Rams. And so there's a lot of buzz around Twitter about Clay Matthews and a reunion. Um, players have weighed in from the Green Bay Packers, um, liked liking tweets and even retweeting tweets about Clay Matthews and reunion with the Packers. So Andrew, do you have any thoughts on uh, Mr. Clay Matthews Coming back to Green Bay? In one year, did everybody forget how Clay Matthews was? Like, <laughs> like this is the same guy who over-pursued 
everything and gave up so many big plays because he was always trying to make the big play. I just like hard pass for me. I, I I love Clay Matthews. I'll always be appreciative of him. He was a top-notch defensive player for a significant stretch. He was one of the main reasons why they won the Super Bowl in 2010. Um, but no, he's just not a good fit. And uh, the player that he's become in his older age doesn't work for me. Um, and I don't think that Mike Pettin would really want him around this this defense. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit because my initial response is pretty much exactly your perspective, and I think that that's how I feel. I feel like this team needs to get younger, move on, get more athletic, and not just try to plug holes with aging guys who um, we kind of know exactly what the trajectory of their career is. Okay, so devil's advocate, though, is Clay Matthews can come in, can be – maybe an inside linebacker kind of a player who could play beside a guy like Christian Kirksey, right? Um, and play limited downs because we know that at least lately Petten hasn't played as many two linebacker sets. Although I know that you disagree with his desire to do that and would like to get more linebackers on the field. Okay. So in theory, he plays limited snaps at inside linebacker, but he also gives you flexibility to be your fourth edge rusher. Um, now that we've lost uh, your favorite man, um, oh my gosh, Kyler he's, Fackrell. He's he's already gone from my mind. I've already moved on. Kyler Fackrell. Him and yeah. Blake. Him and yeah. Blake in New York. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah it's pretty exciting. It's cool <laughs> that they get to stay together. But Fackrell's out, and so you know you kind of could use that rotational fourth guy. So in theory, Clay Matthews could spend some time on the inside. He could also be uh, your fourth edge rusher, which would maybe free up a roster spot if you could do a little bit of both. So that would be my uh, devil's advocate for Clay Matthews. Yep. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to lay out a visual for you here, Kyle. Uh, okay. Week one of the 2020 NFL season, the Packers are playing the 49ers and uh, you know, Close game. Packers offense plays really efficiently, is moving the ball against that San Francisco defense. Uh, the Packers defense is holding San Francisco relatively in check. One possession game, Packers up three, uh, you know, and 49ers have the ball, and uh, the they run a stretch play. Clay Matthews dies through the gap, vacating the lane that he's supposed to be covering, and the San Francisco running back goes 60 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, no, that was that was a really nice visual. I like pass. I liked all of the details about how we were holding our own against the Niners, and and then it fell apart there. So, um, I I'm with you. You know the who thing- makes that play? Kenneth Murray. <laughs> with the 30th I'm pick. I'm done with the podcast. In the 2020 NFL Draft. Packers select Kenneth Murray. Um, okay, yeah, we should talk about Will Redmond though. Yeah, Will Redmond. Speaking of players who will actually be on the Green Bay roster next year. Yeah, blockbuster news here. Will Redmond is back with the Packers. Um, core special teamer, you know, impact guy there. Um, he's going to have to earn his spot certainly, but uh, the Packers obviously like what he brings uh, to the special teams unit. You have any other thoughts, Andrew, on Will Redmond making his return? Yeah, he is a really good special teams player, and I think backup safety is a highly undervalued position, but um, in the Mike Patton scheme, you're going to see a lot of three safeties, and having having a guy like Will Redmond who's experienced is going to be really important, so I, I really like this move. 
to me, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's certainly not flashy, but it, yeah. it's something that I think is going to help this team out. Yeah, it's cheap, and it's these deals that don't cost very much uh, that fill out the depth of this team. And I think, I mean, we've seen the Packers struggle with special teams for a long, long time. And I think that making sure that you get the guys that you know are valuable uh, to that unit back and you don't just deplete it um, for the sake of saving a little bit of money is really important. So getting guys like that are underrated moves that nobody's going to talk about um, and get excited about. But getting guys like that back is absolutely huge. But one more note on Clay Matthews. We're talking about money, too, right? <laughs> Andrew hangs his head. He's like, do not bring up Clay Matthews one more time on this podcast. Um, we're talking about money because he's not going to sign a deal for less than four, five, six million dollars, even if it's a one or two year deal. And I would much, much rather sink that money into a player like Taylor Gabriel, um, who's going to add a different dynamic to your team. Uh, than what Clay Matthews can offer. And so for me, it comes down to the dollars, too. I would just say, you know, we can invest that money much more wisely than a guy with a big name like Clay Matthews is going to offer to this team. So uh, lots yeah. lots is going to happen in the coming days. We don't know, but uh, it's going to be fun to see what the Packers do at this second wave of free, free agency. I'm all for bringing Clay Matthews back to enshrine him into the Packers Hall of Fame, but not as a player. <laughs> Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Murtig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Whoa, almost screwed that one up. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Everybody, please stay healthy. Uh, you don't want to end up sounding like me. Uh, good luck in your quarantine. Hopefully we can be a little bit um, of helping you to pass some time if you're um, either at work or uh, you know commuting or if you're you're stuck at home. Um, hopefully we, we can brighten your day just a little bit. Um, but you can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with a very special guest to talk NFL Draft. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.